Funding for the Hinckley Report and this podcast is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund and AARP Utah. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Kate Bradshaw, member of the Bountiful City Council, Max Roth, anchor with Fox 13 News, and Jason Nguyen, reporter with ABC4 News. Thank you all for being with us this evening. We've got a lot to get to, but I wanna start with our legislature. And, and actually, let's start with you. Uh, several bills were passed. Uh, there was some conversation about whether or not the governor would sign all of them. He has. I wanna talk about just one or two of those, but in particular, there was some pressure on the governor to potentially veto the redistricting maps that were given. Of course, he said, no way am I gonna do that. Fool's errand. Talk about that for, for a second and why there was a push. Well, the push is because the maps are clearly uh, favoring Republicans by such a wide margin in every district that it's pretty much a fait accompli that our Republican primary is going to be the real, real race for each one of these seats, far more than it has been, especially with District 4 thus far. And so uh, that is a concern, and it's also um, uh, with the governor's potential veto of the bill, um, I think that became far less of a possibility. Once you saw those voting numbers, um, it passed by well over a two-thirds majority in both houses, and so they would have easily overridden him. Yeah, so just is true. It's a veto-proof majority, but it was interesting, as some people were saying, in the interest of bipartisanship, uh, you should say something about this. He, he commented about how he had talked to many members of the legislature, he talked to others, but ultimately, the, I mean, the Constitution gives this power to the legislature, and he said, I'm going to defer to them. Well, it's kind of the truth right now, because you've got a certain party that's in power, and then you've got you know, people that want the change to happen. And when you look at the demographics of Salt Lake City and Salt Lake County in itself, it's always gonna be divisive because there's people on both sides. It's what makes the city great. The problem is, is that we do have to rely on the Constitution. And, and what the governor says is what legislators said the entire time, is that we were elected and we're gonna make the maps. And they did that. And you can't really argue anything along those points because they did what they said they were gonna do. Uh, I think the concern uh, that I was hearing from people more than, more than anything was that there was a new aspect to the process that uh, we, we've experienced every 10 years. And that is this commission mm -hmm. that was created uh, with the approval of the voters through the initiative process. And, uh, and the fact that uh, that commission's power was so watered down that we really knew all along that it was that the legislature mm -hmm. wasn't going to consider <clears throat> those maps as something that they had to consider. Mm -hmm. they, they, they didn't vote on those maps, and in the end, the, the map that they chose was what the chairs of the legislative committee mm -hmm. drew and had no resemblance to what the commission had drawn. But Jason, I do think that there are two other important maps that you know the governor pointed out to yesterday was the House and the Senate, and those were bipartisan. And when you look at how those were divided and where the battlegrounds really need to be, it's in those districts. So when we're talking about changing of power, we've got to look a little bit lower than the congressional maps because those are the maps that 
can really change the dynamics of Utah. Mm -hmm. And I think the reality of that, too, is that when you're looking at the, lo the localities, the House and the Senate, uh, the State House and the State Senate, um, you just can't get around the fact that there are, uh, that there are liberal areas of, mm -hmm. uh, of Salt Lake mm -hmm. County, especially. You can't draw, you can't draw yourself out of, out of those yeah. maps. And so you're going to have Democratic seats there. Absolutely. Uh, every once in a while, we get a preview uh, of what's going to come during the next legislative session. And we did get that this time uh, during the interim. Uh, Kate, let's talk about a couple of bills that, well, some ideas that came up. Some are going to, we'll see definitely as bills during the next legislative session. But since Utah is experimenting a little bit with other ways of voting, for example, I want to talk about ranked choice voting for j in just a moment. But we had another proposal that came up just this week. It's what they're calling approval voting. This is sort of like ranked choice voting without the ranking. It's you have eight candidates, vote for all the ones you like, and then whoever gets the most votes, uh, well, that's the winner. Yes, it was interesting. It was uh, presented in, a, in an interim committee hearing, but it didn't make it out of the, the hearing. Uh, I think legislators were feeling like we've just engaged in this experiment with ranked choice, choice voting on a larger scale. Um, we're still seeing that play out. You know, we don't know yet who's the mayor of Sandy. And so, uh, you know, maybe we're not quite ready to, to confuse voters with a whole bunch of different options that take place in, you know, one municipality having a ranked choice, one having a traditional, one having this approval system. Uh, so I think they, the legislature and, the, and this committee in particular just kind of wanted to pump the brakes just a little bit while we let, you know, the end results of this election cycle and the final canvas really play out. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're the one elected official in this group here today on this panel. Your thoughts about some of these efforts to maybe expand the options for voting in the state? Well, I'm definitely in favor of anything that, that um, helps drive turnout and helps make it so people can easily vote. But it is an interesting system. I have an office where uh, I'm elected at large. I represent all the residents of Bountiful and my council colleagues do the same. We, ha we don't have a district. Um, you know, in a mayor's race or in a districted council seat, um, doing the ranked choice voting, you know, does kind of make a lot of sense. So, you know, am I happy if, if my number two gets it, you know, if my number one choice got knocked out early? Um, you know, we look at uh, Draper. I was watching my friend uh, Mike Green's race in Draper, uh, an at-large seat. Um, two of those seats were open, and so he he had to wait quite a while to see how that ranked choice option played out. You know, Salt Lake City. I was watching um, District Two, uh, a candidate there that I know well, um, Alejandro Pui, who you know his race because it was districted. That plays out a little bit differently. So you know, cities are very different in that you have both at-large. Uh, cities where everyone represents all residents and then districted cities. And so those different methods probably play out differently in those races and they can be, you know, confusing to residents depending on whether you're doing an at-large where you've got, you know, three or uh, two or three candidates up in that cycle for everybody or, you know, a, a number of candidates that are just playing out in one specific district. You know what I think is kind of strange, Kate? I, I uh, agree with what you were saying there, but, but what seems strange to me about this is that the concern that ranked choice voting addresses is that, uh, is that you are able to, um, you're able to possibly winnow the candidates down to those who are, are more moderate, mm -hmm. it's not as polarizing. 
we're not so worried about polarization in our city councils. You know, that's we're, we're, we're using ranked choice voting with city councils, but, but that seems to be the level of government where it's all about practicalities for the most part and, and tends to work pretty well. We're worried about polarization at, in some ways, the state level and even far more at the national level. And, uh, you know, you don't, sure don't see that on the horizon there. We don't. Uh, Jason, what do you think the future is? These are just really great points. We had 23 cities that used ranked choice voting in this last election cycle. It's interesting, the Sandy City one, to Max's very good point right there, uh, uh, Monica Zoltanski is currently leads by 21 votes, mm -hmm. and just this week, uh, they've decided they're gonna do a recount. Well, I, I think it's important to do the recount. Just get it done with because that's one of the things that I think everybody's going to pay attention to. But when it comes to ranked choice, I, I agree with Kate. Uh, it's one of those things where you just kind of have to let, the, let, let people do what they need to do. And when you're looking at the actual votes and who's there, I mean, it kind of goes back to traditional voting, right? The top person's still going to get the job. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because when you look at that, Sandy, I, I, I live in Sandy, and it was, uh, first of all, I'm glad that it's mail-in voting because that ballot took a whole lot longer for me to do because I have yeah. to, I'm not just choosing number one, but the, but then through number eight. And mm -hmm. uh, and that is, uh, that, that's uh, a lot of research. See, I um, didn't get ranked yeah. voting in my district. In district. So, so everyone yeah, didn't get so it. So it's, yeah. you know, I had one person, it was the mayor of Holiday and that was it. But you wonder what, <laughs> yeah. what Jim Bennett is thinking, who's currently in second in that right. running with Zoltansky. You wonder what he's thinking like, wait a minute, what if I was the first choice of more people? Uh -huh. Are those 21 votes for, are those <laughs> 21 votes for her are those fourth choices and I have you oh, know you yes. just you just he must be thinking about those things and she too yep digging into this data is gonna yeah. be so interesting uh, after this Matt's right I was just say Max is right that it changes your campaign strategy depending on if you're in a ranked choice race mm -hmm. or a straight-up race or who knows what the, the the campaign strategy might be if you're in an approval system so that's that also is different and I I do want to stress that I had uh, voters in different areas that I don't live in, but that called and said, hey, I don't understand how this works. What is it, what do I do? And I was not best situated to help them because my city was not doing ranked choice voting. So I, I don't ever wanna turn off voters uh, for fear of the, the ballot feeling mm -hmm. too complex. Yeah. Not that voters aren't, aren't, aren't bright and smart, but just as we shift, we need to make sure there's proper education and understanding. And if, and if half of us are doing one system and half are doing the other, you know, that does kind of lead to some of that confusion. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's going to get diagnosed. And I think it's going to be one of those things where everybody, where these campaign managers, you know, we as reporters, we're going to look into this a little bit more because it's so new and it's so fresh. Yeah. I may mean that we wait to see about some of the approval voting before we get through this one, but interesting concept. Uh, Max, another bill that did come forward with a rally, one that looks mm -hmm. like it has Li likely success with our legislature. Uh, it's called the the, the period uh, project, the, mm -hmm. uh, and it's free period project products in all elementary schools and charter schools in the state of Utah. It was uh, it was a, an interesting big rally. The lieutenant governor spoke. Carrie Ann Lisenby, uh, Representative Lisenby, has agreed to run the bill to make sure these products get into all these public schools. Talk about that for a moment because it seems to have a lot of momentum. You know what? It's one of those things where you where you realize as <clears throat> as a man that you that you don't um you can't diagnose issues that are very, very real for the other half of society. And uh, um, because the notion that you can, a place where you spend the majority of your day and, and you have something that's happening and you need to address it, and 
instead of just being able to go to the restroom, like for anything else, you have to go to the office and talk to somebody about it um, is, uh, that, that's just not okay. You know, I, I, I think that's what people are realizing and it, boy, it's amazing it's, it's taken this long. Yeah, okay, okay, that seems to be what a lot of legislators said on the Hill, including at this rally, which was, uh, we're not doing this already. That seems to be the, what I heard from several of the elected officials at that rally. You know, there isn't a, a woman who hasn't had the experience where you uh, you need a product and and you're surprised and you, and you need to go find one and there may or may not be something available um, in the in the restroom and uh, so I think you know women feel this issue deeply and are making sure that our uh, our male counterparts are aware of this issue and they and they just may not have been um, you know because we don't often cross over in, into each other's restrooms to know what what products we've each got. So I think making sure you know our, the other the other half of society, as Max put it, is aware um, of this issue and of the impact it has on on girls, in particular, um, on women, and and that it doesn't need to be something that uh, is is divisive. That we can make the products available, and that way learning can continue in schools. We don't have to have an interruption uh, for those girls who are worried about um, cost uh, and and being able to you know, not have an embarrassing moment in their class or having to ask a, a classmate if they if they have any spare products in their you know, backpack. It's happened It's happened to every woman that you might need to, you know, ask a friend if they've got a spare product. And so this project is really getting the attention of, of a lot of women in Utah politics and, um, and hopefully uh, our male counterparts will come on board and be fully supportive as well. Yeah, Kate, it's, it's why it's why it's important that there's a woman in the room, isn't it? <laughs> you know, that like a like a Deidre Henderson or whoever or or in the House or the Senate mm -hmm. or city council. I'll tell you, I love this project personally because I grew up in an area where, you know, we're, we're first of all, we're talking about periods on the Hinckley report. I need to throw that out there because I think that's very important. And two is I grew up in an area where, you know, this was readily a very, a, available to students, you know, and I remember being in elementary school and it being available to students. So when I came out here to Utah, knowing that some of these things were, were a difficult thing because, you know, my girlfriend grew up in Utah and these are some of the issues that she had to face and to have women and have young girls have the things that they need to, to get them through the day and they even have that educational process and having us talk about that is the most important thing yeah. and I think just being able to, to bring that to light here in Utah is very important. Great points. Um, one more bill uh, that was brought up that I feel like we should talk about is the transgender athlete bill. And Max, I want to talk about this for just a moment. Representative Brooklyn presented a modified version of what we saw last legislative session. Essentially, it requires uh, transgender teens to change their birth certificate and go through a year of hormone therapy uh, in their, during that transition to be able to play on the team that they most identify with. Yeah, you know, it is. I mean, there, there has, there was some compromise there, and uh, and there, it, it, this is a this is a tough issue because you're dealing with, in some ways, basic human rights, while at the same time, um, you know, you can understand concerns about uh, about someone who may be bigger and stronger, um, you know, going into it. One of the things that I, uh, th it's almost like a solution in search of a problem right now. We haven't really had uh, issues pop up in Utah where. Where, where this has been a problem. So, so I wonder a little bit about whether this is just
just um, trying to get to a hot button cultural issue rather mm -hmm. than um, rather than addressing other problems that we see but the but the other thing um, that that is that's really tough and it, and it resembles the period project discussion we just had is that these are intensely personal things um, that we're asking students to um, be uh, very public about you know in in talk in in revealing to people the medical procedures they've undergone revealing to people um, and their birth certificate I mean these are uh, I, I don't know what the answer is I'm, 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 I mean I think but this because it is a complicated discussion but I think part of it has to be compassion for the people impacted um, because they're already pretty vulnerable people. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, talk about these changes, uh, considering the fact that the committee did pass this out, a little bit about what you're hearing for this next legislative session with, uh, I, I guess, with the new language you're going to see, if it's going to be more likely to be successful than last year. So I was excited to see, this is an issue I've closely followed as a, as a, as a former high school and college student athlete. Um, I was excited to see that the language moved closer to what the High School Activities Association is already doing. That seemed to be a, a very fair policy um, and, and one that uh, you know, mirrored what was happening at other higher levels of sport beyond the high school level. Um, you know, the things that, I, that it seems like there's still maybe some wiggle room on is this, this changing of the birth certificate. Um, when, you know, if someone's a minor, um, that process and that pathway to getting that change in order to have that completed in time for a, a, a high school season to start might be difficult. So I think there will still be probably some discussions there. Um, also, maybe some discussions about the, the best medical advice and science on length of time, a year, six months, what makes the most sense. Um, but as Max mentioned, you know, this is this has moved. This is um, has hopefully become more of something that is thoughtful about um, those transgender students those women that are playing, um, I, I think uh, the, the the girls and the women that are playing sports didn't didn't really enjoy being pitted, you know, in some ways politically against um, our, our transgender sisters. And so something that takes that emotion out and recognizes that, um, you know, we all we all want to play, we all want to compete. The spirit of competitiveness is is important to foster um, in our girls, and but you know, making sure we can do it on a level playing field. Um, so that we can have fair competition is important. So taking some of that uh, drama and energy out of it and moving closer to some of these established standards, I think is a positive move. Let's talk about some things that happened federally that have a, a very local impact. Uh, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Jason, let's talk about for this for just a moment uh, because it was largely negotiated by our own Senator Mitt Romney. Uh, it's a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill and a, a considerable amount of money would be coming to the state of Utah. It's $3 billion for roads, $219 million for clean water, uh, $200 million for water to the Navajo uh, Nation. Uh, there are some impacts you know, to the positive extent in the state of Utah, but we were not completely uniform in our state in the support of this act. Yeah, no, we really weren't because Mitt was the only one that kind of voted for the whole thing. Um, but he did work across the aisle for all of this. And, and I know that it was tough because when you look at the bill and, and what we're getting, what he was able to bring to Utah is, is kind of an important chunk of money here. I mean, we know that UDOT needs to fix a lot of our roads and a lot of our bridges. And that money is going to go directly to help doing that, uh, especially in the valley here where we just continue to grow and grow. And a lot of people don't know that 
that there are some state roads that UDOT takes care of that they think that little municipalities take care of. And that's where that money really goes. And then you talk about the water infrastructure and the things that we need. We're in a drought. We have water issues. And if we can update the equipment to, to conserve some of this water, you know, fix some of our pipes, be able to give Navajo Nation more, you know, build roads down there. Let's talk about building roads to people's houses in Navajo Nation because that's what this money is going to go to. And when we think about that infrastructure and being able to get people to where they go, we also talk about the jobs because those people will now have something to go work for and work on. And I think very important to all this too is broadband, um, especially when we talk mm -hmm. about places like the Navajo Nation, but other parts of rural Utah. And I know that Kate uh, e even is interested in um, the possibility of making it more um, affordable as well. But the um, but in terms of what's happening in rural Utah, the economy is so different than, you know, we have this booming economy on the Wasatch Front and in our populated areas. It's not booming in the same way in Garfield County or in San Juan County or in Uinta County. But people who love those places, and they're places that deserve to be loved, they're some of the most amazing geography in the world. Um, people who love those places, if they have broadband, the world we're living in now, you can do a lot of jobs from the edge of Bryce Canyon. Well, you're you talking know? about the gig economy yeah, right exactly. now. So, I mean, it's a big, big money thing. And let's not forget about all the stuff for climate change that they're doing. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of cities have already moved to those electric charging stations. I mean, it's not just Salt Lake. Murray has invested in ChargePoint. We know ChargePoint is a part of this big new deal that's going through the House that's supposed to be voted on and sent to the Senate, maybe get approved by Christmas time. That's that's another big chunk of money that's coming in, and some of it is in this infrastructure deal. So cities will benefit moving forward with some of this stuff. Okay, mm -hmm. talk about the uh, the other side, really, to really get to where some of our delegation was. It was not so much about this particular bill. It was about some spending bills that might come next, particularly when it comes to reconciliation, which is what several members of our congressional delegation said is why they voted against. Talk about what that, what that means and why they're concerned about really that next step. Yeah, so the, you know the infrastructure bill was kind of like the first course, and what's coming next is is build back better, and um, the House is actually working on that, you know, today, uh, and and it'll have to go through a reconciliation process. It still has to go through the Senate, where different elements are likely to to, to be worked on significantly. It'll look a lot different. Um, you know, our delegation uh, does seem to be concerned about the amount of spending, uh, by and large, that that. While there is definitely a need for infrastructure, and no one understands how uh, unfun uh, infrastructure projects are, they're not as, as sexy to the public, uh, you know, as someone who serves in local government. But it's a lot of money, and we'll be paying for this uh, for a long time. So the question, I think, for our delegation is, how, how are we paying for it? Um, is is there potentially uh, some some pork in this uh, Build Back Better proposal? Uh, are we really aiming at? Uh, you know, the things that will help us continue to launch out of this pandemic mm -hmm. uh, and, and continue to um, succeed as a nation. You know, yeah. Utah has, our economy's booming, and so maybe our feelings are a little bit different because of that than some other areas in the country. Mm -hmm. So, so Max, it was it was John Curtis who kind of put the uh, put the the idea together that uh, this funding is coupled with reconciliation spending, yeah. and, uh, and and just talk about for a second what that means, uh, because it, 
The reconciliation is is something that the Senate can only do, I, I believe, twice a year. I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. It's once or twice a year. Has to be on things that are only related to budgets and taxation, and the um, and they and and because those things have to, you know, you have to fund government. A reconciliation bill requires only 50 votes. You don't go through the filibuster process, um, and so you can't block it in the minority if the majority is all on board. That's the the big if, and that's what Kate was getting at there, is that uh, Senators Joe Manchin from West Virginia, mm -hmm. Kirsten Sinema from Arizona, have both been hemming and hawing about this, the price tag for this next bill, mm -hmm. and so it's uh, it's far more questionable. But yes, I think the the concern is the amount of spending. The, there's concern about giving a Democratic administration a win, um, and there's also some genuine concern about inflation, mm -hmm. that you inject this much more money into the economy uh, when we're already seeing some significant inflation. It could. You Cause that to go up. You talked to Senator Romney. What did he say about those points? Okay, so he said first of all, he's, he he was among 19 Republican senators who voted for the infrastructure bill. That included uh, Mitch McConnell, the the majority or the minority leader now in the Senate, um, but still a, a minority of Republicans voting for it. For him, what he said is, you know, I don't mind if it's uh, I don't mind working with the Democrats if we're getting things that are reasonable and that we need, and these are things we need. And he is going full bore. Um, in terms of promoting his work on this bill. This is a big deal to him. I, I don't know about you guys, but my inbox uh, yeah. for is getting you know a, a press release or two a day from the Romney office saying, yeah. Utah's getting this, Utah's getting this because mm -hmm. of this bill. And it's, uh, you know, that's that's how he sees himself right now, is he's the, he's the practical one who will reach across the aisle if it makes sense to him. Uh, one last thing with our last minute or so, Jason. Uh, Governor Cox, press conference this week, talked about how we're going to start allowing people to get booster shots mm -hmm. or COVID booster shots, everyone 18. Starting uh, today. Starting yeah. starting today is exactly right. Just talk for just a second about the impact that that announcement has. What you see when you're talking to people, I know you're interviewing them. Uh, you know, the booster shots are a big conversation, especially in our newsroom. I don't know about yours as Max, but there's a lot of people talking about it. I got the Johnson & Johnson shot, so I've got the one dose. Um, so I've been, you know, looking at different boosters myself. The, the problem I think with boosters is is that if you look online it's if you're not going to you know some of the pharmacies it's a little bit difficult to get signed up for a booster so I feel like that needs to be addressed too while we're trying to rush out these boosters but do I feel like it's an important thing I think listen whatever side of the aisle you're on you're going to be able to, to move forward here so if you want the booster shot get the booster shot if you want to play it safe with what your beliefs are you should do that too yeah. we're gonna be watching this one very closely in the state to see what people go into those offices and start getting those shots for sure. Thank you so much for your comments this evening. Very insightful, important issues. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review.